0: Discover Seasons 1 and 2 now at stopandtalkpodcast.com. That's stopandtalkpodcast.com. Thanks for joining us this week on the Voice San Diego podcast. I'm Scott Lewis, CEO and Editor-in-Chief at Voice San Diego. This is an interview by Maestri Krishnan. She's the host of another podcast of ours, San Diego 101 and she interviewed me. Maya and the 101 team released an episode recently called A Short History of San Diego Politics. And for that episode, they spoke to me and local politicians to give you a short history and a few things you need to know to plug into local news and politics. But they really liked this conversation I never told them to do this. I knew nothing. They just told me to read this, so I'm glad they did that, though, and they liked it, and they thought you would, too, so we are putting out the full interview. We cover political scandal, the rise of labor, the fall of Republicans, former mayor Bob Filner, and other major political figures, and how we got where we are now. It's the full conversation just for you. We hope you enjoy.
1: Can you tell us your name and who you are?
0: Uh, <laughs> I am the very excited Scott Lewis. Uh, I am the CEO and Editor-in-Chief at Voice San Diego and proud first-time guest on San Diego 101.
1: <laughs> Can you tell us how long you've been covering politics in San Diego?
0: Yeah, we, I arrived here in 2003. In fact, the weekend I arrived was the week that they raided city hall in the so-called cheetah gate scandal and um, that was my first introduction to san diego politics
1: what was the cheetah gate scandal
0: so there were three city council members michael zuquette who is currently on the port and runs the largest employees union at the city of san diego Uh, he was a city council member and two others ralph and zunza and charles Lewis were um, being investigated because they had supposedly made um, quid pro quo deals with a strip club operator. And Zoukette was later exonerated, but Nzunza spent uh, some time in prison and Charles Lewis unfortunately died the next year. How did he die? So it, it's unknown. Uh, he had cirrhosis, um, uh, but it's not necessarily the typical cause of cirrhosis. So, okay,
1: so it was like a medical issue. It wasn't like yes. related well, to. Well, I mean, his
0: intense <laughs> stress of being under the threat of going to federal prison was probably not helpful.
1: So when you think about the recent San or the recent history of San Diego politics, when would you start it?
0: Well, of course, since everything's about me and be then.
1: <laughs> we knew you were going to say that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, no, um, I do think there is something about that time. Um, 2004 in particular was a really weird year. That was the year Ch- Charles Lewis died, and there were a lot of shenanigans about who was going to replace him. They tried to like really maneuver it so that um, his predecessor could take that job instead of Tony Young, who ended up getting it. But there was that going on, and that was also the year of the write-in campaign for Donna Fry for mayor, so she, uh, there was a lot of scandals going on in the city of San Diego. She wanted to run for mayor, didn't really do it. There were two typical Republican white guys running in the in the runoff, and she decides to do this incredible write-in campaign. And
1: She was not a Republican?
0: No. She's a Democrat, and it just exploded. I've never seen anything like that. Still haven't since. It just blew up as a popular sort of movement, and she ended up getting the most votes, but 5,000 or so of the votes were thrown out because the people wrote her name in, but they didn't actually fill in the bubble next to her name. And so the court and the and the lawyers for the other candidates said they didn't count. That sucks. Yeah. So it was like the moment that like, that was a progressive sort of, uh, you know, she has a lot of like neighborhood protection sort of angles but she was she was super you know got a lot of support from the labor unions that was the first time i saw them really kind of flex to in a in a mayoral campaign and she got the most votes and after that they reformed the write-in process so you can't run a write-in in the runoff because that was a little bit of an in-run around the primary you need a primary for a reason but I think that was a big moment. There, was, there were so many scandals going on. There was so much going on at that moment. And that was also the year that uh, Mike Geary got elected as city attorney. And so everything just sort of, it was like just a big time of of change and transition.
1: Why was it a big deal that Micah Geary was elected um, city attorney that year?
0: He had a completely different interpretation of what the city attorney's role was. So he believed that... Um, He believed that the city attorney should represent the people and that it was an elected position because it represented the people. And, of course, they'd always operated that the city attorney was the lawyer for the city, the corporation known as the city. And that's kind of what it is. It has to represent the city in all these different lawsuits or whatever. And so he really worked it so that he could actually be this independent or tried to make it this independent thing that would investigate or even sue the entity that it was supposedly representing it caused a tremendous upheaval. But I think he, he really articulated a lot of longstanding frustrations about the way that San Diego was operating as well with the Chargers or with the um, you know, different ways it had handled special interests and such. So her so Donna Fry and him represented this sort of left leaning kind of populist upheaval that occurred at that time. And and I think that ended up morphing into an actual progressive movement over time.
1: (laughs) So would you say that the scandal sort of represented the collapse or the demise of like the system that had been in place and some of um, like Aguirre and Fry represented like a change at that point? There
0: was just, there was the city had this massive financial problem that people were starting to wake up to would, would have like impacts on everything of how, how it worked, how everything from, emergency responses to parks and they they represented the anger about that and that anger was directed at not a republican establishment as much as this sort of southern california conservative establishment do you know what i mean this kind of kind of businessy reagan type thing
1: If you could describe like City Hall and City Politics when you first started covering them in like a few words, how how would you describe them?
0: I think I would use something along the lines of conflict averse and bipartisan, but not in the like flowery, like bipartisan is good kind of way. More of just bipartisan is in part of the game it was you know the the unions for example labor unions used to support the republicans on the city council that would be just very difficult to comprehend now and it but it wasn't like there was some just like bipartisan sort of happiness or just grace you know it wasn't that everything was was running well and and everybody looked past identity and partisanship and 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 had some kumbaya situation it was more just like it was a very insular world that very few people understood and that just didn't get a lot of popular scrutiny from. And, and there was this movement happening when I got here and others that was just like to kind of mess with that. There was just a a popular effort to, to up, uproot that, to change it, to hit it a lot. And, and honestly, I think voice San Diego is part of that. We, we were formed in 2005, in part because there was this impression that there wasn't enough sort of push happening, right? That there wasn't enough kind of like um, disruption of that.
1: And at this time, what was going on at the county level politics wise?
0: The county was was had had come out of um, maybe ten years of its own sort of financial reckoning. So in the mid '90s, they'll they'll always talk about like just there was like a period where it looked like the county was going to go bankrupt, and some leaders that took over that role, and then the the board of supervisors that were elected in that time period, they were conservative, very focused on financial um, and fiscal conservatism, and they they had a couple of, of major leaders of the county government who were good, you know, at least in their mind, as far as managing money. And so the county went from being this, it's going to fall apart to this, like just operating well in their eyes. And then also just a major focus on suppressing social welfare benefits, right? Like uh, food stamps, uh, any kind of welfare aid that was going out. They wanted to use whatever powers they had to, to suppress it, to keep it limited. And at the same time, they all went through in the 2000, 2001, 2002 era, uh, a major effort of enhancing public employee pension benefits and, and compensation benefits. So it had this perverse effect of like, you know, they were giving out fewer benefits to the public and then they were they were giving away more to their, to, their, um, to their workers. And so it was it created this another new lopsided financial situation. But there's a really curious, when you look back, when we think of the San Diego pension scandal, it was focused on the city. And I think that the reason it was focused on the city and not on the county, even though they both did the same thing, was because the county was responsible for delivering social welf- welfare benefits above all. And the city was focused on like parks and roads and things that, that that frankly, more wealthy people cared about. And I think that because Republicans were in charge of the county, And because they were, um, you know, uh, doing things that that didn't affect in the same way, the same more vocal, already involved groups of people, that they um, were insulated from some of that political scandal.
1: And can you briefly explain um, the pension scandal?
0: Yeah, basically, um, there was just this wave that occurred in the early 2000s, late 90s, where um, every government decided to enhance the benefits of their, of their employees, their pension benefits. But in the county, for example, they didn't just say like, you're going to get a 50% better pension going from now into the future. They did it as a retroactive benefit. So everybody, you know, if you were expecting a $60,000 a year pension at the county in one day, you woke up and that was $90,000. And just that moment, uh, they, uh, they, you know, hundreds of more people retired from the county the moment that happened than it ever in any month before that done. It was because it was suddenly just far, it was 50% more lucrative to retire then. That was great for them, but it changed the calculus so that the, the county, went from putting $0 into the pension funds to having to put several hundred million dollars into the pension funds again every year. And again, that's money that's, that's, Uh, directed and and meant for people who are struggling the most in San Diego. So I found that particularly offensive, but the city had a similar situation. But the the problem with the city is that they went further. They enhanced pension benefits, but then they also um, uh, made a deal with the city where the city would pay less into the pension system at the same time. So it just kind of combined to be, to create this massive deficit and um, and make it worse at the same time. So it was just a, it was like a political and legal scandal at the same time where the, where the counties was just a fiscal one.
1: So how do you think city politics have changed since then um, since the early 2000s?
0: Well, there was, again this this world where you know the public employee uh, unions would support Republicans and Republicans would there was just this Republicans were just the establishment, and they were the ones. In charge, Democrats were far minority for a long time, and I think there was sort of two personalities that really emerged in the um, in the two thousands in San Diego politics. So Lorena Gonzalez ran for uh, city council against Kevin Faulkner in two thousand six. She lost and then started working for the labor council, and I think her work at the labor council helped turn the labor council from a voice. In the business community, to a movement, to truly a movement where you needed to get on board with these priorities, or you weren't part of that movement, right? And then on the other side, Carl DeMaio runs for city council, and and also showed up in this like bravado of right wing sort of fiscal conservatism, and also made the same kind of deal with the with the right, and so there was this like this polarization that began happening in 2006 and in 2007, where um, it, it wasn't, that world was was kind of shattered. Brian mainstein was a Republican who was friendly with the unions and, and all that. You, you had to pick a side. And that just became the kind of thing over the next few years. The labor movement became stronger and more organized and better at, at, at organizing for politics. And then the Republican and conservative side became more focused on, on attack and on 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 major reforms they wanted to see happen.
1: Um and so did that ultimately then lead to you know more progressive politics because entities like the labor unions became more organized with you know those movements and values. I think that
0: that there was also a, a there was a decision they made in 2004 based on some of these scandals and such that were happening that they were going to change the San Diego city government from a City council-led city manager form of government, which was being blamed for this kind of insider-y, like go along get along world, and it, they made the switch to a strong mayor form of government, where the mayor would be the chief executive. And I think that that you know that that raised the stakes of mayoral elections in particular, but also city council in a different way. There was a city council president for the first time, and it just it set in motion that you would need more movement politics to succeed in San Diego. So you kind of had to pick, are you going to be part of this sort of populist, uh, right of center, conservative group, or are you going to be part of this labor group? And the labor group was also more diverse and more inclusive. And there was a a rising involvement of people of color as well. And I think that they found a place more on the left. And, And so there was just, there was, that obviously became the winning side in a way, and I think partly because of the demographics, but also because of, of um, you know the the movement and what they wanted, and and the sort of limited interest of the of the right side of the politics.
1: Um, what year did the change um, with the uh, like strong mayor form of government happen?
0: The vote was in two thousand four, and it implemented in two thousand six. So remember that again. I, I joked that it was that year that it was so important mm-hmm. that things happened, but there was so much upheaval then. And that strong mayor thing was put in motion in 2004. And then the first strong mayor was 2006.
1: Um, and how have county politics changed since then?
0: Well, the county, as far as the board of supervisors and the, and the, you know, the sheriff, the DA, those stayed very, very stable. And I'm not sure why. I think a lot of people always ask ask me why the county was insulated from this upheaval in the same way. And I make the argument in two ways. One, that they focus on things that rich people don't care about. And again, social welfare and such. And then the second is that nobody understands what the county does. It's so the, the understanding of what a county supervisor's job is compared to a city council person's job is, is just so, there's just such a gulf between those two things.
1: And but, there were no term limits um, for county supervisors until 2012, 2011?
0: It was around then. Yeah, so the the city did have term limits, yes. And y- you know if your neighborhood's struggling with something that it's the city council person's responsibility. And you, there, there's a connection there. County supervisor, there's no similar thing. You, you, you can talk to anybody who's run for county supervisor and they'll go and they'll talk to people in their homes and and they have to spend most of those conversations explaining what that role is, even though they get paid double. <laughs> you know, they get paid double, they get a better pension, they get more benefits. They're they're in many ways dealing with a much less difficult job because those those decisions had never become so stark. And so I think that the county remained isolated from that political change because it had no term limits. Nobody understood what those roles were. And it was just it was it was the power of incumbency was just so powerful.
1: Um, but the county has recently started to change, correct? Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about that recent wave that has happened?
0: Yeah. So, well, there was there just like with the city, there was some glimmers of change. Uh, D- Dave Roberts had been elected in the coastal North County district a- as a Democrat, and so a lot of people thought that as the one Democrat, he'd go in there and he'd like shake some things loose he'd release some documents there'd be a lot more news and stories there'd be more scandals there'd be more strife there'd be more uh conflict and and it would produce more politics that could produce more change and in fact he did none of that <laughs> he just was another face in there and then he had his own scandals and trouble and it was just a mess for him and so that fell uh and and Kristen gaspar took that seat and it was kind of the same and so it, it waited until Nathan Fletcher decided to run for, for the county, county supervisor, and the unions and everybody kind of really got behind him, not just as like somebody who would go in and maybe release some things and change some things, but they fully invested in him with the hope that he would lead a bigger change, and whatever amount of that change is due to him or not, it, it did lead. There was a, um, you know two more who were elected right after that.
1: We talked about some of these things, but um, if you could list maybe like the five biggest things that have happened in the past 20 years that we're describing that have, you know, pushed real change in San Diego politics, what are they?
0: I guess you'd call it like the fiscal awakening of the 2003, four, five, six era, where, where, there was just the the realization that the city had overpromised on so many different fronts and was in, in tremendous debt and may have to go bankrupt. Uh, that was that was a big deal in, in local politics and and it, it really made you choose a side. Did you support these kind of harsh discussions about reform and and or did you support the labor unions and, and a kind of different vision of that and and that really created a cleave in local politics. The strong mayor. Uh, change that was huge because it was accompanied with a change in the in the city council as well. They added a ninth district, and there was that that whole you know from 2004 to 2010 that whole reform of how the government works was huge. I think that the uh, you know uh, George Bush was a was uh, preferred by San Diego County voters in 2004. George George W. Bush that was the last Republican who won a presidential race in in San Diego County. And I think that the, the, it's not really a moment as much as of a marker of, of how fast it changed after that. And at, at that point, there, you'd have to describe this, this, this more amorphous uh, rising of voices that occurred, right? In 2008 through, through 16, where there's uh, more diversity. Uh, you have Lorena Gonzalez really, polarizing and and talking about the left and, and building a movement you had uh, the 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 sort of throes of a conservative movement that was focused on really obsessed with employee public employee salaries really and compensation and not a broader sort of outline of what should happen to san diego and and then I think the environmental movement is really important as well like there was you couldn't really be a Republican and an environmentalist. You know, they'd always talked about coastal Republicans and, and, you know, this kind of enviro kind of Republican, but it was that just kind of lost like the, 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 they never really were into that. So if you cared about anything from sewage spills to open space preservation, you, you kind of had to go to the left and, So there were a lot of people who maybe wealthy, maybe for whatever reason care about the the more right of center politics. They found themselves in in that left coalition as well.
1: Um, So you mentioned uh, Lorena several times, but um, were there any other like defining people that helped sort of like push that change in San Diego politics?
0: Yeah, I think uh, Donna Fry was a was a big personality. You know, her top aide for a long time was Nicole Capritz um, and she was she's now leading kind of the the you know, climate change effort. She learned a lot about politics and organizing through that experience with Donna Fry. I think there's uh, uh, again there's the Michael the Michael Geary's, the Scott Peters uh, he was the first San Diego city council president. And I don't think he, he changed anything as much as sort of set the precedent that that could be a powerful position and, uh, and was kind of the last voice of this world where bipartisan understanding existed. There are a lot of people who were involved in a lot of these discussions. You look at somebody like Bob Filner, though he comes out of nowhere, runs for mayor and, 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 it makes it uh 2012. Yeah, wow. Uh 2012 he he wins that election. That seemed like the moment where it had flipped finally, where it was now a Democrat's seat. And his falling apart, by the way, I think ushered in a a false assumption from the Republicans that they were still relevant because they got another seven years in the mayor's office after that happened and probably wouldn't have gotten that it were it not for that.
1: So I guess like for people who haven't really been paying attention to politics in San Diego and they want to know why are we in the place that we are today with like who's on the city council, how the city council and the mayor's office work, why the county is the way it is, what are the things that they need to know, um, and what are some of the things that might just be like fun for them to know?
0: This town is is still overly influenced as a, as a in a small town kind of way, as a, in, a, in a way where people make a lot of decisions um, in, a, in smaller groups and that have major ramifications for the years to come. And I think one of the ones I always like to tell is, is in 2013 when Bob Filner had resigned or was resigning. And remember, the, the Republicans are still a relevant force in local politics, and I wouldn't say they are now they there are different types of democrats but we're pretty close to where the republican party has no role in in city politics but then in 2013 it still did and there was this moment when um mayor filner had had basically signaled he was going to leave and the republicans got together in this in this mansion in la jolla in that in the house of a developer and uh there was like 35 people there i think there was like two women And they were in there in this mansion deciding who was going to be the Republican to run for mayor. There were three candidates, uh, Carl DeMaio who had um, run before lost to Bob Filner, Uh, Ron Roberts, who had wanted to be mayor since he was (laughs) for, for like 30 years. He had run three or four times already and he was on the board of supervisors and there was, and then Kevin Faulkner, he'd been on the city council and and they decided in this group, and it, they started fighting, yelling at each other, and they decide that they want to go with Kevin Faulkner, and they, they he, he ends up running and, and winning. He beats David Alvarez, who um, uh, was pretty well funded with the labor union's support, but you know it couldn't because of a special election and a few other reasons couldn't uh, overcome the 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 sort of traditional network that was in place but that had immediate ramifications for a long time like there was a a cleave on the right between Carl De Mayo and the rest of the republicans that now is i think represented by this cleave in in republican politics nationally where there's the the the, the maga Carl De Mayo type republicans and then there's the um this this coastal that still wants to to have coastal fiscal conservative Republican politics somewhere in, in, in San Diego. And then for, uh, they, they ended up picking Kevin Faulkner who could win that race. And I think that that stalled the, the, the development of this, this democratic wave, this, this more inclusive and, and diverse wave for quite some time. And I think it, 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 uh, probably changed San Diego for, for a long time because of that, because he was able to Keep the police chiefs in place. Keep the, the same policies he'd had in place, and and, sh- and structure things in a way that w- that would have been a lot different if a Filner or somebody else had been going through that process. And so, I think that um, I like to. T- I think that's an Im- important way because it, it's still there's still rooms like that where decisions like that are happening, and I consider it a, a major part of our role to open those rooms up as much as we can. So that people understand the conversations that are happening in there, and can someday be a part of them.
1: How did you find out about what happened in that mansion?
0: Uh, I, I, three or four people who were there called me after that, and and I was able to 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 get a few of them to agree to be uh, unmentioned sources and to triangulate how it all came together. Yeah.
1: Earlier, we kind of asked you to describe how. Sit- San Diego politics were um, in the early 2000s. In a few words, how would you describe the political landscape today? In a few words,
0: I think it is—it's more diverse, but it's more uncertain. It's—it's it's unclear to me what big things and 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 major changes this this group will try to. Take and whether that's whether there is something more powerful about San Diego that will continue, and and that being like it's still just easier to go along with things as they are. You know, in some of the work you're doing about redistricting, the same thing. There's, I think, there's a there's a there's a inertia to preserving things that is is going to be very difficult to overcome even when you elect people from different backgrounds and different, um, perspectives. I think that that, that still has a, a, a power here. And I don't know if it's unique among other places, uh, whether, but there is a, there is a, a aversion to conflict. There's an aversion to, um, to change, that is is very powerful here. And I'm uncertain, as I said, like what, how that will be resolved With, with what are very strident and clear calls that it be disrupted. Todd Gloria to me is a, you know, a little bit more to the left, Kevin Faulkner. I think that he, he would hate that he's probably going to be very mad that i said that but i think that he he hired many of the same people we we talked to somebody who supported brie she she said she supported brie because she had the, the guts she used a different word but the, the guts to do big different things and that you needed somebody who would do that and that that she i think and others saw and 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 Tagler is really showing that it's actually it's not that he's he's necessarily scared it's just a lot safer to not disrupt everything and and i think that he's he is just he hired a lot of the same people has a lot of the same views with a little bit of a twist and a and a nod to more progressive politics maybe along things like police and and, and others but i don't i don't i think there will always be or for a long time there'll be this vein of like of conservatism that's not necessarily right of center as much as just this is the way it's done. And um, and maybe I'll manage it with a little bit different flavor. There was a there's a, when I try to think about people I kept thinking in a name and I didn't know if it would work or not, but I but I do think it matters. There was uh, a man who worked for the Building Trades Council, Murtaza Baksamusa, who Added an intellectual structure to a lot of the left-leaning policy ideas and debates that I think w- had major ramifications going forward. He, whether it was like how we should run redevelopment, or how um, you know different taxes should work, or how different how the housing commission should work, or how different it was, there was there was a rigor on the left that started to emerge, and it was it seems like academic, but it was really powerful in how it shaped policies and, and what they wanted to do. And I think that just show, showed that there was an emergence, emerging like professionalization of politics in San Diego on the left. So it was always discussed that on the right, was it was more professional, that the, the right had moneyed interests like restaurants and builders. And they funded political consultants and others who ran things here as professionals. And that the left was always like activists and like, you know, people taking the time out of their day to go and pursue. And there's been a major shift. I believe it's almost the opposite now that the left is professional. The left has more professional everything from policy, academics to consultants and the right is now just a bunch of activists not that's not totally true but if you're representing a lot of those industries that supported the 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 republicans then i think the biggest thing i'm watching is is how how many of them are shifting to add that professionalism to the left so they can preserve the the interests and the goals that they still want out of local politics Thanks for listening to the Voice of San Diego podcast, the most popular public affairs podcast recorded in San Diego. You still have time to join our fundraising campaign. If you appreciate all that work, analysis, explanation, and interviews, we are so close to our big goal. You can help us get over the finish line at VOSD.org slash podcast 2021. That's VOSD.org slash podcast 2021. If you like this interview but haven't heard San Diego 101 yet, well, you should do that. As I said, there's an episode that reviews our political history featuring local politicians, and they have other episodes about law enforcement, redistricting, the difference between the county and the city, all that and more. These episodes are in your feed, or you can subscribe by searching San Diego 101, wherever you get your podcasts, or online at VOSD.org slash 101podcast. That's VOSD.org slash 101podcast. I'm Scott Lewis, CEO and Editor-in-Chief at Voice San Diego. Maestro Krishnan is the Associate editor of Civic Education and host of San Diego 101. This episode was produced by Nate John and Adam Greenfield. Thank you for listening.